the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. What's up, Jets Nation? Welcome inside the official Jets podcast game preview. Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen here breaking it down. EA, we got a great show today. We got Peter King, a little double dose of MMQB because we also ended things with Albert Breer. And we'll get to those a little later. That was a special treat. Oh, how, about oh. Pe- how about Peter? He was at the facility he, this week. He was great. Came to the studio, and he did a podcast with Josh McCown. I want to listen to that, so you got to give him some props for that. But he we'll said be- he really wanted to do one with McCown, and he's wanted to do one for a long time. He's a big podcast guy. He's. Uh, I am as well. A, uh, you know what? I'll make it three. I am as well, too. You could tell that Peter liked the, the podcast podcast. Uh, platform per se yeah but it's more of a conversation and i think people enjoy it and you know it's great for commuters so i I know i know you're you're like a 10 minute commute i'm more like a 50 minute so a podcast get me through the week so big fan yeah and i hope people are loving this podcast i think we're off to a great start Uh, props to our producer in the back jack listen uh like you said uh, we have a tremendous show in store for you this week before we dive in to this week's matchup. Let's talk about last week, as we always do. Jets now on a three-game winning streak, 3-2. Three and two, Take down the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland at the Dog Pound. Another not-so-pretty win, to say the least. A gritty win. What did you take away from last week's game? That was different than the Jaguars game. Well, that's just the word, Greens. This team continues to find different ways to win. Wire-to-wire domination of Miami. Then you squander a fourth-quarter lead against Jacksonville. You come back in overtime. You make it happen with Chandler Canton Zero. They played emotional in front of their home crowd. Greg Williams had a nice defensive game plan against Josh McCown and company. And the Jets scuffled offensively early, but the defense picked them up. Entering week five, they had four takeaways against the Browns. They had three takeaways. They had three stops inside their own 10-yard line. You're thinking about Marcus May's interception, Freddie uh, Bishop's uh, fumble recovery of a forced lateral from a rookie quarterback in Deshaun Kaiser, and then also Demario Davis making a heck of a play on fourth down. That precedes a 97-yard drive, and McCown got going late. Uh, two touchdown passes. So, listen, wasn't pretty. Don't matter. It's still a win. <laughs> Something Josh McCown said was that the offense didn't play well consistently, but the offense played well when the team needed it most. All right, here we are with the A4 mentioned Peter King, a Monday morning quarterback. Thank you so much for joining us in studio. So this is a special treat for myself and Ethan. Uh, it's good to be here, guys. And uh, it's good to be here you know, I thought if I came out to the Jets this year it would be to uh, to discuss some sort of black cloud. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was talking to Todd Bowles after the win in Cleveland, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to give you all. I'm going to give you whatever shot you want to take. Go ahead, take take a shot at all us geniuses who uh, basically were. You know, I, I thought you go two and fourteen, three and thirteen. And he goes, oh, it's early, and he did not want to participate in that at all. <laughs> you know, because I think he knows two things. 
vengeance can't help you in this game, really. <laughs> no matter how you feel personally. But I think the other part of it is he knows how fine a line it is. Yeah. You know, the NFL is amazing. Week to week you watch. I mean, I, 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 I often think that, that so often the team that wins on Sunday is the, um, you know, is just an incredible team. And they're the, they're the champs. They're, the, they're everything. And the vanquished, they stink. They're no good. And yet you watch a game like Atlanta and Detroit where Golden Tate ends up about seven inches from breaking the plane when his knee hits the ground. And he's seven minutes away, seven inches away. And that decides, that could well decide whether the Detroit Lions or Atlanta Falcons go to the playoffs. Yeah. Seven a inches. Line. <laughs> just, yeah. So, but anyway, uh, I, I think, I think Todd Bowles, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an admirer of the, of the job that he does. Uh, and I think in the NFL today, when you don't have a really good long-term quarterback, it's an, I mean, it's a battle every week anyway, but when you don't have that guy, it becomes even more of a battle. And that's why I think, I mean, I think having Josh McCown here this year has really been uh, a huge help to this team because he, he steadies the ship when it needed sure to does. be steadied, you know? Yeah, and you're actually here at the Complex because you're going to be talking to Josh yeah. on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've always wanted to record him. I've been doing this for two years, and I've always really wanted to record him because I think he has one of the most unique careers in recent NFL history. Um, I think it was now six years ago. He was on the Hartford Colonials yeah. of the United <laughs> Football That's League. Right. And after he finished there, that was, that might have been it. You know, okay, now, you know, family's in Charlotte. Um, that's where we're going to be no matter where I am. But, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's over. And, and, you know, I've had a great time. I've been with a bunch of good teams, had a lot of enjoyment, but maybe it's over. And I honestly think that you know, if it was over and if he was coaching high school football now at whatever high school in Charlotte, he'd, he'd love life very nearly the same way that he loves life right now. And I know people say, well, geez, how could you say that? You know, the NFL and everything. Because Josh McCown is the kind of guy he'd be happy doing whatever he, he's doing. He's so modest, full of humility. I know the press have uh, loved him ever yeah. since he entered the National Football League in 2002. And Greens and I talk about it all the time. He's the only remaining quarterback left in the 2002 draft class. This is his 15th season, and he just won three straight games for the, for first, the first time, time in, his in his life. Yeah. I love that stat. <laughs> that is so hilarious. Yeah. And, and the I didn't realize this until, whose column did I read it? It might have been Brian Costello, I forget, or George Willis, I think, George Willis wrote, and I didn't know. He had never won a game as a Saturday. starting quarterback in the Brown Stadium. I would have thought he would have won five. <laughs> you know, then I started to, I had a great stat. Well, geez, I had a stat in Monday Morning Quarterback today uh, where uh, I said in their last 49 games, the Cleveland Indians are 40 and nine. 
in their last 49 games, the Cleveland Browns are 9-40. and 40. Oh, God. So maybe oh, that man. explains why Josh <laughs> McCown didn't have, didn't have any home wins there, you know. So, Peter, something that you touched about, and you wrote about it, that Coach Bowles was your coach of the week, and you talked about that you admire the job that he does. Just if you could elaborate a little bit more on why you chose him as your coach of the week. You know, I, I kind of look at a lot of times I give those awards and, you know, I remember one year uh, when I was doing this, somebody said, oh, my God, Peyton Manning threw for 408 yards and four touchdowns. He had a perfect quarterback rating. I said, I, I, I could give Peyton Manning the, the offensive player of the week every week. I mean, what good does that do? Right. I mean, I, and I said, this is not exactly official. This is just <laughs> what I want to do and a guy who I think d- does a good job. Here's the reason why I think Todd Bowles, first of all, the reason why I think Todd Bowles is not only a good coach, period, but he's a good coach for this team at this time. Very simple reason. Like, I've always felt like, and I think it helps him having grown up in this area, he understands the the kind of screwy mayhem there is around a New York team, okay? It's, you know, when I used to cover the Giants, Parcells would walk into a press conference. This was in the 80s, obviously. He'd walk into a press conference and he'd say, all right, you subversives, what is it today? (laughs) Euphoria or disaster? (laughs) You know, and I think having, having been around Parcells and having seen sort of that sardonic way, I think that Todd Bowles can look at it and basically say, Hey, listen, you know, I, I've, I've lived in New York forever, okay, in the area forever. I know everything about it. I know the pressures. I know that if you win, uh, you're going down the avenue of, the he- of, 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 of heroes. If you lose, you're a bum. You're going to get fired. I'll never forget the day that Eric Mangini got fired and... It was, and I, I think it was the Post, it might have been the Daily News, the next day showed Eric Mangini walking out the door and they said, hey, coach, don't let it hit you on the way out. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, you know, and I'm saying to myself, man, what a, what a place. You know, what a place. <laughs> it, it's a tough spot, but like you said, he is a guy who just remains steady, whether he's winning or losing, and, and he and is you perfect know, for this team. If, if, I think he has the ability to stand up in front of these guys and to basically say, hey, here's the way it is. And everybody trusts him. When he was with the Arizona Cardinals, I remember, I knew a lot of guys on that team. And one of the reasons why, like when his name would come up in coaching interviews, I would always say, this guy's going to be a good head coach for this reason. He's really imaginative on defense. He's the guy who basically got the Arizona Cardinals to take all those, you know, I mean, it's a different time now, but like the Dayon Buchanan, you know, Tyron Matthew guys, play them down in the box. Have them be basically linebackers for you. So, I mean, he is not, he doesn't say, well, okay, um, let's bring in a practice squad linebacker because he weighs 242 instead of let's take a safety who weighs 219 
But and, and if we play the 242-pound guy, then that safety, who's really a good player, is not going to be playing. Why would we do that? Let's take the really, let's get as many really good players to be in the game at the same time. And I think he is just one of these common sense guys who doesn't really allow himself to view, um, to view a situation like this as, like if you were looking at this situation before the year, you know, letting Decker go, letting David Harris go, Mangold's gone, all these other things, Brandon Marshall's gone, all these guys who you think either are going to be good somewhere else or I don't know how you're going to replace them. Right. He's never one who, who will think that way. He's just going to think, how am I going to win this Sunday? You know, and, and it's kind of strange to say this because, like, I don't think the Jets will beat the Patriots this week, but... I think the Jets have turned into the intriguing kind of team that whoever plays them, and he told me this yesterday, he goes, if we just control our penalties, we'll play with anybody in this league. And he knows that he will because what happens, at least in my mind with this team, and I saw him in week two at Oakland, and I just thought, if their defense doesn't play well, they can't win. I mean, I, I shouldn't say they can't win. It's going to be very, very hard for them to win. But I think that game, to me now, when you look back, was an aberration. Uh, you know, the Oakland game, because their defense is pretty good. Yep. Their safeties, <clears throat> the young safeties, I think, are pretty good. You mentioned the defensive personnel, and, uh, and what immediately comes to mind for me is Jamal Adams. You said yeah. playing an extra guy in a box. Well... Uh, Jamal obviously can play in a back as well, but you can drop him down. It's like having an extra linebacker down there. And you know, since you've been covering this forever, is that Todd is so imaginative as a play caller on defense using multiple safety packages. Sometimes now the Jets are using four safeties on the field. they got Marcus May back there, yeah. of course, who's impressed early on. Terrence Brooks was a late acquisition. Mike McCagnan traded for him here uh, at the end of training camp, and then uh, Rontez Miles as well. So, you know, Todd is, is shifting the pieces around. On See, I think <clears throat> the coaches that can do well in today's football are the coaches who can figure out a way to take their best 11 players and away. figure out a way to get all them on the field in some combination. And, like, I thought one of the things that, like, I, I really like what the Carolina Panthers did in the offseason season getting Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel because it allows them to do, I thought they had an incredible play, McCaffrey's first touchdown in the NFL, they had an incredible play because they faked a jet sweep to Curtis Samuel and drew the attention of the other side of the field, then, then ran to the left side of the field in what looked to be a read option, and on this read option, you have either Jonathan Stewart, Cam Newton, nobody even sees Christian McCaffrey. And at the last possible second, they just flip it to McCaffrey. What I mean is that one of the reasons why coaches like, uh, you know, Todd Bowles, and I think that now Sean McVay, one of the reasons why Sean McVay is succeeding now, in my opinion, is that he basically does so many disguise packages. Hmm. And people just simply, you line up, and you say, I'm going to see something on this play that I haven't seen before because, okay, and this, I'll 
I'll, I'll, we'll steer back to the Jets, but I just wanted to make one other point. Yesterday, Sunday, in the games, <clears throat> Devontae Adams scored the winning touchdown against Dallas. And there's very few teams where a, a guy can come back to the huddle after one play fails and say to the quarterback, hey, run that exact play again. I, I know we can make it. And if you have Aaron Rodgers, he has the confidence that he's going to do it. Yeah. And in those situations, Aaron Rodgers has some freedom depending on what play is called. So he told Adams to do the same thing again. It was, he, Adams did the exact same thing. And this time, the ball was right there. He caught it, touchdown, and a game. My point is, not everybody has that kind of quarterback. So you, you have to capitalize on the imagination things that some of these coaches do. Uh, this is the great Peter King, a Monday morning quarterback, joining myself and Ethan Greenberg in studio. You mentioned the Patriots before. What's the formula for the Jets in week, uh, week six action here? Is they go in here in a three-game winning streak, playing the division, uh, division opponent, they lost their first division game against the Buffalo Bills, but New England will be in here. And I would imagine the fans are going to turn out. And it's going to be a festive yep. atmosphere at MetLife Stadium. I think there's two things. Number one, be physical uh, with the receivers. Um, <clears throat> Gronkowski probably plays. Be physical with him. You know, hit him in the, in the bump zone. Um, and when you can, you got to hit Brady because, in my opinion, Brady with time is more dangerous than any quarterback in football with time because he has so much confidence in throwing the ball into very small windows. You get four receivers out in the pass pattern uh, or in the in the pass route, he's going to find somebody at you know if you give him three to three and a half seconds. So you want to disrupt his timing, and then I think on the other side of the ball, I I, I heard every all the stuff before last week, the Patriots' defense is in crisis. But I really think it was more communication than anything else yeah. um, because Stephon Gilmore was making a huge number of mental errors. He's a, I think the Patriots vastly overpaid Stephon Gilmore. But um, he's a good player, and I just think that McCown right now, there's, a, there's something, you know, when you look at Josh McCown, I think one of the things that if you're, if you look at, a quality of a quarterback that no matter what his receiver group is like, whatever, if you're an accurate passer, then you can take new guys who you haven't worked with all that much, and you can say to Jermaine Curse, you be there on a 12-yard out. If you're there, the ball's going to be there. If you're there, we're going to have a completion. Or Jeremy Curley. Or Curley, yeah. And so... My feeling is that right now, I, I, I think that that is the way to try to beat the Patriots. The other thing is, keep the clock moving. Um, I, a couple of weeks ago, last week, whenever it was, when, when Buffalo won in Atlanta, you know, after the game, I was talking to some people with the Bills, and, and they said all week it was, you know, keep the ball away from Matt Ryan. And so the Bills in that game had a 19-play, 11-minute and 20-second drive. And so they got, a, they got a field goal, which, you know, they obviously they wanted seven points instead of three, but they were deliriously happy hmm. because that's one less drive. I don't even know how many drives the Falcons had, maybe 10 or 11, but 
without that long drive, they would have had another one. And I think part of this game for the Jets, if if you could limit Brady to nine possessions in this game, I think the Jets have a real chance. Well, Long drives are the key. We wish we had time for another quarter with you, but you got to go visit uh, Josh McCown, and uh, we'll continue reading you and following you on um, um, QB.com. And uh, I, I just quickly wanted to ask you, you didn't do a game story week one. You chose to do a podcast. Yeah. How, how much are you enjoying this platform, and where? what's in store in the future? Jeez. I, you know, what I, we have a lot of young people on my staff, on our staff, and I say to them all the time, um, do everything because you have no idea where this business is going. And my whole thing is I enjoy doing this stuff. Yeah. I, I, there aren't many places anymore where you can hear conversations. And you know what? We're not going to break the ratings record for the Josh McCown podcast. We won't. But I will really enjoy it because, I, I mean, I've talked to him, not many, several times. And I know that a conversation with him, that if you're a football fan, you will listen to it. And you'll say, man, I'd love to get to know that guy. And th that's what I try to do with these things. Because I think everything is done, everything, er every, everything that people concentrate on is in the 140 character take, mm -hmm. you know, or now 280 character, whatever Twitter is. But Do you have 280 or 140? I have 140, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even know how to get to 280. They gave but, me 280. Yeah, EA but, has 280. You know what? I don't. I don't really. I don't want 280. Yeah. You know why? I, I don't. I don't. I mean, when I see those long tweets, I say, "Oh, this is crap." I, I want. I, you know, I, there's something great about just a snippet. Yeah. You know, but but anyway, my point is, I love having the ability to be able to have a conversation, just like you're sitting, just like we're sitting down. You know, if we were doing something that had to be done, okay, you got two and a half minutes, blah, blah, blah. And look, I do TV. I've done a lot of TV. And I understand the brevity and the quality of brevity in two and a half minutes. And I like it. I appreciate it. But I also like the fact that, you know, shoot, I, sat, I did a 76-minute podcast with Tom Brady. This is the first time I've ever heard him not sound like press conference Tom. Yeah. And hmm. that, to me, is, is the, in this medium really makes it worthwhile because I think it allows you to really kind of get to know a person rather than to get to know the real person rather than the soundbite-ish person. Well said, Peter. We thank you so much for joining sure. us. We're going to let you now get to that podcast with Josh McConnell. We look forward to listening to that. And maybe in the future we can check back with you later this season because My lo pleasure. I'd love to get some thoughts on the Hall of Fame. Uh, Joe Klecko, Kevin Wawai, we, we can discuss that at length. Good. And uh, let's see if the Jets can continue to surprise. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. All right, Greens. Good stuff there from PK. I always read that Monday morning quarterback column. It's a long one, but he's got so much information in there. And he did have... Todd Bowles as his head coach of the week. One thing I took away when we're previewing this matchup, Jets-Patriots here in week six, is Peter said something very interesting about the Bills going to Atlanta and taking down 
that high powered attack is they were able to hold on to the football with time possession. They had a drive of over 11 minutes. And for the Jets, if they can hold on to the football, that means number 12 is on the sideline. Um, if you can shorten the game possession-wise, I think that works to your advantage because last week against Cleveland, you come up with the three takeaways. Tom Brady's got one interception. You know, last year I think he might have had five. He doesn't turn the football over. Mm -hmm. The one stat that really jumps out to you about the Patriots so far this season, though, is that Tom Brady's been sacked 16 times. That's one more than all of last season. So maybe the Jets can manufacture some pressure when they are on the field defensively. Also, just to add on that is the less time Tom Brady has to operate, the less points the Patriots can score, and they can put up a lot of points if you let them. They lead the league in total offense. What are they, third in the NFL in scoring right yeah, now? Right. To like 29 points a game. Yep. So and Brady's already passed for, what, 1,700 yards? Yes. So the more And, and the weapons, Danny Amendola. Uh, you look at their backfield, Deion Lewis, mm -hmm. James White. Who leads the team in receptions. Right. You know, these linebackers this week, Demario Davis playing a really high level. Darren Lee, he went back to Ohio this week, had a good game. They're going to be in focus this week against those guys coming out of the backfield. Gronkowski didn't play against Tampa. He's likely to play against the Jets. And then Brandon Cooks gives you a new dimension as far as speed and things like that. So, uh, listen, yeah, this offense is... They have uh, options, to say, to yeah, say the least. Yeah, they do. They do. But uh, the Jets' defense has been developing. Yes. Uh, they were left for dead, frankly, when we left Oakland and took that cross-country trip home. But... Did a great job against Miami. Really held Jacksonville at bay most of that game after an opening drive. And then last week they carried the team for most of the 60 minutes in Cleveland. I'm very curious to see who lines up on Rob Gronkowski. We talked about this earlier in the week, just you and me, but you know, is it Jamal Adams? Is it, is it Darren Lee? Is it a f combination of the two? Because Darren might be bigger, but Jamal is faster. So I, I'm very curious to see how Coach Bowles deploys his safeties. And how, you got Marcus he, May out there too. Yep. And you're right about deploying the safeties because the Jets, as we continue to note every week, are playing three safeties at times, four safeties at other times. So, you know, you're going to want to get a lot of athletes out there on the field. And that, that was a great interception by May last week. But again, the chances of that happening against Brady are a little bit less likely because mm -hmm. he's not going to focus in on a, on a player with his eyes. And uh, very few times does he turn the football over. You've got to be sure tackler, are you sure tacklers against the Patriots. I'm pumped for this game, though. It's a, you know, my life stage should be hopping. Make sure to subscribe on your phone. We're on NewYorkJets.com. We're on SoundCloud. RDH, it's time to bring in MMQB's Albert Breer. Albert, thanks so much for joining us on the official Jets podcast game preview. Jets-Patriots this weekend. The Patriots were a team in the offseason that many thought had improved, but right now in a three-way tie for the AFC East along with the Jets and Bills. Just what's been your initial impressions of the Patriots team this year? Well, you know, I, I, I certainly think that we probably got ahead of ourselves with the expectations, and, and I'm, I'm guilty as anybody of that. And I think the main thing I was looking at coming into the year was 
Um, you know, that I'd never seen a Super Bowl champion add an offensive piece like Brandon Cooks and a defensive piece like Stephon Gilmore. Um, you know, I think you kind of work under the assumption that those are going to work out um, because of the, you know, profile of those players. And, um, you know, Cooks has been all right. Gilmore has been really up and down. Um, and in the meantime, their, their front seven has, has had its issues. Um, and, um, the secondary has taken some time to come together, you know, and I think ultimately uh, the offense will be fine, and the offense for the most part on balance has been fine. Tom Brady has been Tom Brady. He's taken a, two, a few more hits than they would have liked, but, um, you know, I think, you know, the, when you're talking the long game here, the, the offense will be okay. Um, the questions for them now, I think, coming out of the first five games is whether or not the defense will be good enough in the long run. And, you know, it's – I mean, look, with them, it's it's different. The standard's just different. The bar's a little higher. So, I mean, we're not talking about whether or not they're going to make the playoffs. I think it's more, are they going to be in the divisional round, the championship game, or are they going to win the whole thing? You know, and, and, and these are the things that I think when you look at it could prevent them from winning another championship. You know, you look at whether or not the secondary is what they've paid for it to be. And then whether or not this front seven can be even average. Um, those are the big questions facing them now as they, you know, as, as they get closer to the, to the more critical parts of the season. Conversely, what do you think of the Jets so far? Obviously, open the season 0-2, then a wire-to-wire victory over the Miami Dolphins in their home opener. Then they found a way to win against Jacksonville game. They squandered a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, but won in overtime. And then... They go to Cleveland, and it was, at times, a not a pretty ball game, but they found a way to win, largely largely because the defense comes up with three takeaways. They have a fourth down stop, and Josh McCown gets the offense moving late. So now here they are entering week six on a three-game winning streak. Yeah, I don't think anybody would have guessed um... – that, you know, in the middle of October, they'd be sitting there tied with the Patriots for first in the division, tied with Buffalo for first in the division. But that's where we are. And, you know, the thing that, that sort of sticks out to me is, um, you know, how a lot of the things that they did in March and April um, wound up being proven correct, you know. And I know there were a lot of people who felt like they were tanking. And, look, I don't think there's any question that they were stripping down the operation and they were trying to turn the page on the previous era, um, you know, I, but, but you look at what's happened to the players who've left. I mean, Revis isn't on a team. Mangle's not on a team. Ryan Clady is retired. Um, Decker and Marshall um, have been just average in their new spots, and now Marshall is hurt. David Harris was a healthy scratch um, for the Patriots last week. I, you go up and down, and you see the guys they got rid of, and, and those guys are doing almost nothing elsewhere. And then you look at the guys they brought in, and, I think primarily, you know, you look at a guy like a, a you know, a, a Jermaine Curse who um, comes in the trade for Sheldon Richardson, and you know he is producing for them. And so, um, you know, you look at that, and then you add it to the rookies they brought in. And obviously, I think very highly of Jamal Adams and, and Marcus May. And you know, I, I don't think this is gonna, I don't think this is gonna be a nine and seven or ten and six team or anything like that. But I certainly think through, through, through five games you can see where a lot of the decision-making, the logic of the decision-making has become clear. And at the very least, I think that, you know, if you're down there in New York, you can trust that, it's, that, that it looks like the operation's headed in the right direction. Whether or not that holds up long-term, who knows? Yeah, you know, you, they've got 
they've got some good young players there now, and certainly it looks like they moved on from the older players at the right time. Yeah, do you like what uh, McKagan has done over the past few months? You mentioned, uh, obviously, Adams and May. It starts there with the drafting, but then some of these late acquisitions, um, you mentioned Curse with son Sheldon Richardson. They get Curse back from Seattle and a second-round pick. Jeremy Curley was on the street. He had 64 receptions last year in San Francisco. He's come in here and made an instant impact. They trade for a guy uh, from Philly in Terrence Brooks who's come in here and fit in nicely with the other two safeties. Uh, he actually has a pair of interceptions. Coney Ely, a late pickup as yeah. well. Uh, David Bass, a guy from Seattle, has come in. He's got the two sacks. So not only a draft in, what do you think about all these late acquisitions? Well, it's something they've had to do. You know, I, I think especially when you look at the timing of, of the Harris move and the Decker move, um, it put them in a tough spot from a roster standpoint because, you know, you're not going to build a team of all first- and second-year players. And so, um, you know, they've had to be creative with that. And, and again, I think bringing in a guy, uh, like to me, you know, I think part of the reason why you trade Sheldon, I think Sheldon's got potential to be one of the top five or six defensive linemen in the league if he ever puts it all together. I think one of the reasons why you get rid of Sheldon um, is because you knew that, the, that there were going to be bumps this year, and the idea of having both Mo and Sheldon on the roster as the elder statesman was kind of scary. You know, that, that, that maybe that's not you know, the type of position that you want either of those guys in. And so, you know, you see, you see what you can get for each of them. Um, I think Sheldon was clearly the more tradable commodity. And I liked how they took into account what kind of leader Jermaine Curse was in Seattle. Because not only are you getting production from him, now you're also putting him in the locker room, and he's one of the older guys. And, um, you know, he's really kind of a guy who the offensive players can look to and say, okay, this is the type of guy we're going to look up to, and this is the type of guy that we're going to emulate. You know, and on defense, you've got some younger guys who are capable of doing that. All right, Albert, thank you so much for joining us on the official Jets podcast game preview. You got it, guys. All right, that was Albert Breer, another phenomenal interview there, giving big kudos to Mike McCagnan, the general manager of the New York Jets. Yeah, and the entire Jets personnel. Yes. Do you think that this Sunday is a litmus test? I asked about the defense, but I guess more about the team in general because, you know, it takes a couple weeks to get things flowing, to get chemistry building, and everyone points to halftime in Oakland saying that's when the ship has turned for the New York Jets. So do you think this Sunday serves as a barometer? It's a good question. Here's what I'll say is that this is the sixth game of the season, win or lose. You're either going to be 4-2 and two or 3-3. Three and three. A lot of football left to be played. New England, on the other hand, is a team, while well, Todd Bowles is accurate on this one, kings of the division. Until somebody knocks them off the ladder, they are the kings of the division. The Jets have been clear about that this week. Um they haven't actually, I think if you talk, if you're in their locker room and you're listening to Bill Belichick and company, they don't consider themselves a finished product here early in the season either. So are you going to find out a little bit more about the Jets this week? Certainly. I, you know, it's different uh, going up playing against a team that's been an NFL powerhouse for 17 years or so since Tom Brady took over in 2001. 
Uh, and, and that's uh, no shot at Cleveland or Jacksonville or Miami. Miami was a, a playoff team last season. But, yeah, this, this is a great test for the Jets. But win or lose, Greens, 10 games to go. Yeah, you know, and uh, Todd Bowles has taken the proper approach this week that, you know, it is a big game because it's the next game. I know fans don't like that. It means a little bit different for, uh, means a little bit of more stakes for people who are at the tailgate and they're coming into <laughs> MetLife Stadium and they're ready to take down the Patriots. And believe me, the Jets, the players want to win this game, but they want to win every week. So, is it a great test? It is a phenomenal test for this defense. Yes, it is the most. Oakland's offense is good. I would say New England's offense is better than the Raiders' offense. So, through six games, yeah, this is the best offense the Jets have faced. On the other side of the ball, while the Patriots' stats haven't been there, what you want to see from the Jets' offense, the test is, you mentioned it, Greens, can they start fast? They have to start fast this week. And something that Jeremy Curley said is, I spoke to him in the locker room this week. He said that the home crowd really does help the team get motivated, try to start faster, because the crowd is something that's almost like the pulse of a team. I don't know if that's if that made sense to you, but if the crowd, if the let's say the the team is stagnant to start, if the Jets are a little stagnant, and the crowd gets into it, that could energize the team to start to play faster and. I'm really excited for this Sunday, and I think it will be the most festive atmosphere that we've seen so far at MetLife Stadium. And before we head out here on the official Jets podcast, it's the staple question. I ask it every week, and I'll ask it again. The single matchup that you're looking forward to this weekend, or a couple players that you're pitting your hat on and saying, you know what, I think this person is going to do some things. Well, uh, because I'm I, just saying I, I know this week, is one of your favorite. Uh, okay, last, go ahead. Well, last week you told me that Marcus May was going to get his first interception, and it happened. Not saying you're a fortune teller. Yeah. But so you, you were correctly, you correctly predicted something last week, so I felt like I had to come back to it again. Okay. So I'm not taking the easy way out because I don't know – what the game plans are downstairs. Because a lot of people would think, okay, well, this guy's matching up with this guy, this guy's matching up. You don't really know until the game unfolds. The one thing that I do know, Greens, is the Patriots predominantly over the years are a team that don't beat themselves. Now, they've had a lot of errors here early in the season. I watched the, that game against Tampa, and you saw a couple late hits and a rough, a rough in the kicker. You know, this field goal. Yeah, there was, uh, there were some things that very unpatriot like. But with that being said, the Jets have uh, Todd Bowles is happy about a lot of things going on here, and he should be. But he's taken a steady approach because he knows there are things to clean up. And the one thing that the Jets can't do this week, they can't lose the turnover battle and I'm looking at a yellow doorstop. You cannot have the number <laughs> of flags that Jets have had the past three weeks, and that's something that really eats up at TB. He talked about it, 27 penalties over the last three games. They were able to win those three games. You get 10 penalties against the Patriots, mm -hmm. and you lose the turnover battle. You won't have a chance. With that being said, I expect the Jets to be in this game in the second half. I expect the atmosphere to be unbelievable. I'm also pumped up about the New York Jets and Atlantic Health System are partnering 
in the fight against pediatric cancer as part of the NFL and American Cancer Society's Crucial Catch mm -hmm. Intercept Cancer Campaign. So, you know, you'll be seeing that on Sunday. Right. Just to, to clarify here, usually October is Breast Cancer right. Awareness Month. The NFL has changed now. It is crucial cash, so each team gets, uh, gets to choose what a cancer, whether it be breast cancer or in, or in our case, pediatric cancer for the New York Jets. Yeah, and then I read a, a, you know, read a stat that really hits home the, that between the ages of birth and 14, there are 10,000 new cancer cases involving kids each year, over 10,000 in the United States. So, you know, whatever you can do, if you're at home and positioned to help out here on Sunday, please do. And did you know that we have a player on this team that is a cancer survivor? Mike Pinnell. Pediatric oh. cancer, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so th there you the have it. The big defensive tackle, who's a house. You see him in a lot of short yardage situations. And that's what we have here on the official Jets podcast game preview. Once again, Jets Patriots this Sunday, CBS, 1 p.m. Make sure to head out to MetLife Stadium. For Eric Allen, I'm Ethan Greenberg.